Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us. If you have missed these calls, you can pick them up on um, a podcast service called SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Through by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and either TR90 or Solutions, the digit for anti-aging, and they could well pop up on those other podcast services. If you're listening to this and it's a podcast and you wish to catch us live, if you dial into 712-775-8972, and when it prompts for the code, put in 910022. You can join us live, and we would be thrilled to have you along with us. These calls are archived back now more than 11 years, and just uh, there's a wealth of information. Um, those calls are listed by date and host, and then the last few years even by subject. So um, there's a topic for each each call that should help you find the one you're looking for or perhaps you find a host that you like to go back and listen to. There's just a ton of really great information. When you're first starting out with that TR90 program, that is that one really good clean lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals, seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Those fruits and vegetables will give you macronutrients, micronutrients and fiber, particularly if you're getting your vegetables closer to the source and not overly processed. Um, Guys need about 45 grams of fiber. Ladies, we need 32 grams of fiber for good digestive uh, health. So do keep that in mind as well. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal or with your meal, whichever works best for you. It's recommended beforehand to take them because they're in your system before all the nutrition starts hitting, which is great. But if you're not able to do that, either due to circumstances or um, because something's upsetting your system, then take them with your meal. They'll still work. It's just not quite as effective as it would have been if it was beforehand. Drinking plenty of fluid to stay hydrated. Um, The best fluid to have is water closely followed by tea and coffee, um, assuming that you don't adulterate it. Um, The more adulterated your uh, fluid is, the more trade-offs there are, and um, it's not quite as good for you. But you should be getting one ounce of fluid for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking a minimum of 50 ounces of fluid daily. The caveat on that is if you're exercising heavily or you're in a humid area and you're losing body moisture, then you'll need to increase it to offset what you're losing in that body moisture. 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. And that's also part of this lifestyle change that you're doing because this is a lifestyle change program that finds something you really enjoy Um, you're more likely to stick with it long-term. Some of the things you can do is have an exercise buddy or somebody you can be accountable to to make sure that you're exercising. And some of us have that built in and some of us don't, and um, it's worth checking 
around and seeing if you can find somebody that can be your accountability partner that's positive and good for you. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night really sets you up for a great day the following day. It um, Your body does a whole bunch of system resets while you're sleeping. And in amongst all those system resets, it stores memories, both muscle memories and other memories. It does a multitude of different things, clears out toxins, and... Um, one of the books that I've shared some information out of actually talks about the fact that um, it says if you have a sleep deficit, it can really affect your um, cognitive skills. So it's really important to get good quality sleep. So today's information is coming out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, MD, MSL. And I've been sharing some information on metabolic syndrome and how that happens to be the new scourge. Well, today we're going to jump into the four foodstuffs of the apocalypse. So many investigators have spent considerable resources searching for the gene or genes that cause, not cause, metabolic syndrome. As with obesity, the genetic analyses have thus far been unrevealing. In fact, it has been suggested that only about 10% of metabolic syndrome can be explained by genetics. This leaves approximately 90% to changes in the environment, specifically the quality and the quantity of our food intake, and how these promote liver insulin resistance. When the energy bolus comes as glucose or starch, the liver has several safety mechanisms, including letting other organs deal with it to spread the pain. The conversion to glycogen and keeping the liver safe, but when the liver has to deal with the foodstuffs that can't be metabolized by other organs, the result is excess production of the ROS, and I talked about that yesterday as that being that re um, reactive oxygen um, let's see, what was it? Reactive oxygen species and fat deposition in the liver. The mitochondrial constipation, if you will. Leading to the chronic metabolic disease, these foodstuffs tend to affect different age groups based on their frequency in the American diet. While foodstuffs have this unique signature to cause these metabolic... What foodstuffs can cause this disturbance? There are four by my count, and that's Dr. Lustig. One is trans fats. The second is branch, branched chain amino acids. Third is alcohol, and the fourth is fructose, and we're going to be diving into each of those separately. So the first one, trans fats. These can't be broken down by the mitochondria because they're of their synthetic nature. Trans fats have long been assumed to contribute to chronic metabolic disease, especially atherosclerosis hardening of the arteries. Trans fats used to be in every processed food, although slowly they are leaving our diet, but they are still in baked goods and candy bars. In fact, any food in a wrapper at room temperature that's meant to sit on a store shelf 
is suspect. The FDA and the food industry have since recognized the problem that trans fats pose. While there is no nationwide ban on them, there is currently a concerted effort to remove them from our diet. For instance, Mayor Michael Bloomberg has banned the use of trans fats within restaurants in New York City. Yet despite the cutback on trans fats, the rates of obesity and diabetes continue to rise. So the, our second one is branched chain amino acids. These are essential amino acids, meaning our body cannot make them, so they must be eaten in our diet. Blood levels of branched chain amino acids are directly related to consumption. These amino acids are in high concentration in corn, so every animal fed on corn, for example, U.S. beef and pork, is a potential contributor to your total body load. While these amino acids are necessary for building proteins all around the body, any in excess are burned for energy in the liver. Bodybuilders consume these with abandon in their protein power, powders as well. As long as these people are building their bodies, no problem. If er, everyone else, however, this is a big problem. When branch chain, excuse <coughs> me. <coughs> When branched-chain amino acids are metabolized for energy, they bypass glucogen in the liver and go straight to the mitochondria for burning or to be burned into fat. Christopher Newgard at Duke University has demonstrated that patients with metabolic syndrome exhibit higher levels of these amino acids in the bloodstream. But at this point, we only have correlation and not causation. So number three, alcohol. Alcohol is interesting because a small daily ration, especially when consumed as wine, has been shown to prevent metabolic syndrome. If you have high cholesterol, your doctor may recommend a glass or two of red wine with dinner. But increased consumption of booze clearly contributes to metabolic syndrome's development. Furthermore, alcoholic beverages that also contain glucose, such as beer and sucha, a Japanese fermented drink, have been clearly implicated in the promotion of metabolic syndrome in the United States and Japan, respectively. Alcohol also goes into the mitochondria without stopping at glucogen. However, alcohol certainly does not explain how children get metabolic syndrome or why metabolic syndrome is rapid in alcohol-abstaining Muslim countries such as Saudi Arabia and Malaysia. Number four, fructose. Finally, we come to the Voldemort of the dietary hit list, the sweet molecule in sugar. If it's sweet and it's caloric, it's fructose, period. This is the one foodstuff whose consumption has increased worldwide with reckless abandon. And is, it is the one that children eat with no holds barred. We have animal and human data. We also have the golden ticket, correlation and causation. Every age group, including infants, has increased its consumption of fructose in the last 30 years. 
As far as I am concerned, this is where the action is and will be fully elaborated in Chapter 11, which I think is possibly our next chapter. Nope, not our next chapter. Can't we just pop a pill? Well, in other words, no. There is no drug targeted to stop this process because of the reactive oxygen species formation is a fact of life. We've got medicines that can treat the various downstream outcomes. We have statins and fibrates for lipid problems, antihypertensives to reduce blood pressure, insulin, and hypoglycemic agents to treat diabetes. Loads of drugs to make the heart beat better and stronger, vitamin E and metformin for fatty livers and dialysis and transplant for chronic kidney disease. Various chemotherapies once you get cancer and even new Alzheimer's drugs but your mitochondria are still screwed. The lipogenesis and the ROS damage will continue unabated. Your cells will die and so will you. But you and Diana are not doomed. You can slow the process down considerably. The easiest and most rational approaches to reducing ROS formation and toxicity are preventive. You can limit specific substrate availability, in other words, modify your diet, reduce the rate at which the liver metabolizes energy and eat more fiber, increase your antioxidant capacity, consume micronutrients, and or increase mitochondrial formation and the number to improve mitochondrial capacity and efficiency. We're talking Altered intake and expenditure. If you've overindulged your entire life, you want to get on the bandwagon now. All is not lost. Studies of patients with diabetes who improve their lifestyle by eating properly and exercise, for example, demonstrate reduction in total body burden of the ROS, improved health, and increased longevity. Oh, no. Diet and exercise again. Is this the new... A whole is this whole book a just a crock? Why did I just spend good money for this same message? Didn't I already know this? No, because it's not just eat less and exercise more. We're talking about something specific because a calorie is not a calorie. And in the next section we'll actually be getting into um, the real toxic environment and what that um, entails probably starting Thursday. Tomorrow we will have Frank up uh, joining us, and I'll be back on Thursday, and we'll have Victoria sharing one of her lovely meditations on Friday to get our weekend off to a fabulous start. This is Susan Mann for January 17th, 2023, signing out. I'm going to take us off mute so that you can um, ask any questions, share any comments, thoughts you may have, Look, always look forward to those. Have a great day at the top of the hour. If you scoot over to Facebook One Team Global Live, one of our business partners will be sharing information on how to build a new skin business. There, I remember the right order today. <laughs>
Well, that was very, very interesting and very technical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again, it is very technical. This this particular author is very technical, but he wants to make sure we have the whole picture, <laughs> which, you know, in a lot of ways is a good thing because then you've got a better idea of why you're doing what you're doing and how you can build that into your why of why you want to be healthy and stick with it. Right. That's right. Yeah, that uh, fructose, uh, high fructose corn syrup is literally the bad thing. And I noticed the other day, because I chew a lot of gum, but I just stopped, that the high fructose was in my double men gum. And I thought, wow, oh dear. not good. Well, and I know that they've come out with some some gums that have xylitol in them, which are supposed to be better for us. But on, the question is, are they as, are they really better, or are they <laughs> just moving the problem further down the road? So, right. Well, the xylitol in the Trident was supposed to be better, but I I found that it's got sorbitol, and sorbitol really messes with my stomach. So. Um, I just decided that I've got to get back on the wagon and get not chew the gun. So I've been pretty good this week. Yeah, if I can, I can empathize with that. That I can. Okay. Well, it's time. It looks like to go to one team global. It's almost nine o'clock. It certainly is. So have a great day, everyone. I'm going to let everybody go, and we'll see you back here tomorrow, and hopefully you'll get a chance to listen to Frank. Oh, absolutely. Okay, see you tomorrow. Okay, take care. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.